Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who loves building computers, Brandon Siegel. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing really, really well. This is a great intro. I, I've recently got into to building PCs. I built my own computer, which I'm recording on right now, back in December. Uh, since then, I've helped another friend build one, and I intend... I have a couple other friends that I'm going to help build. Uh, Trevor, I'm trying to get Trevor. I want you to get a PC eventually one day. Hopefully that happens. But yes, a lot of... The PC building community is a very, very fun community. If anyone's interested in computers, you know, I highly recommend getting into it. But you know what? This is a sports podcast. we got to talk about sports. A man who is not quite into computers as I am, uh, in fact, probably has a level of understanding about computers of a fourth grader, would be our other co-host, Ben O'Brien. Ben, how are you? Yeah, I'd say your description of my computer knowledge, Brandon, is pretty accurate. I mean, I know how to turn on a computer, and I know how to open a, you know, the internet, and that's pretty much all I can do, because that's really all I need to do. If, if I have any other uh, trouble, Brandon, I will gladly give you a call, and you can help <laughs> me out. So I know how to use the basic parts of a computer, and that's really all, all I'm ever going to use for it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's where we're at, you know, Ben, after living together for three years, the amount of computer, you know, help I've given you, I feel like you've, your, your knowledge has expanded. I mean, I started very, very low, so I'm, I'd say I'm slightly higher now, but it's still nowhere, I would never brag about my, uh, my computer knowledge. <laughs> I wouldn't either, I wouldn't either, <laughs> um, but we, we have a fun episode planned for today, as always, um, we'll just kind of get started right off, Trevor, I know... This topic is going to be a, an interesting one for you. Over this past week, we saw that Julian Edelman is officially retiring after his 12-year career, um, and he had a pretty darn good career, wouldn't you say, Trevor? Yeah, very good career for sure. Um, so it, it, it was sad to see this. It's going to be interesting. We're like, like Julian Edelman's a big player, but like in our lives, we haven't seen an enormous amount of like huge players retire. Obviously, we got to see like Kobe retire. Um, I can't off the top of my head. I can't really think of that many other players that are like huge. But like when like LeBron, I guess Dwayne Wade retired. Like when LeBron tires, Tom Brady, Drew Brees is just retired. The, those are going to be really really interesting and like huge like points in our life. But Julian Edelman's a pretty big one. So some of your thoughts, Trevor, on when you, I I think one of your favorite receivers, you know, calling it quits. Yeah, and and he is my favorite receiver of all time. He's my second favorite Patriot. And really, you know, I think the Julian the Julian Edelman retirement thing, you know, some people were trying to make it about like, oh, is he a Hall of Famer or not? I don't think we should even be, uh, you know, really talking about that. We need to really focus on what's important and really is just about like what an underdog story this was. I mean, drafted, I, don't, I think it was like pick 232, or I don't even remember, from Kent State. He was a college quarterback. Um, obviously, you know, he's, he's like 5'10", 200 pounds, so he's a little bit smaller than, you know, a lot of other receivers. And then just kind of this career he really put together where in the biggest moments he always came up huge. Obviously, when you think about Julian Edelman and you, uh, you know, the first highlight you think of is normally the catch in the Super Bowl against the Falcons where the ball was tipped up in the air and he's diving for it. They reviewed, um, they reviewed that a few times. And then finally it was like, yeah, he clearly caught it. Um, I think about, you know, just as a fan watching Julian Edelman, um, like mm-hmm. some of the big moments against like the Seahawks in that Super Bowl as well. Um, you know, sorry to mention this one, Brandon, but the throw to Amendola against the Ravens in that divisional game back in 2014, that was a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, let me butt in here because, because <laughs> th- that was, there was a rule made against it that was borderline illegal and I'm still pissed <laughs> off about it. There literally is a rule. It's called like the Patriot rule or the Patriot, whatever. I don't know, but it's because of th- they basically cheated. But you can continue, continue. He's a great player. <laughs> okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, if you say so. It's against the Ravens, so I understand you're, uh, you, you're um, upset about it, but it's okay. Um, obviously, Edelman, you know, just came up clutch in so many of the 
the biggest moments, like I've said. And um, I mean, the thing is, whether he's a Hall of Famer or not, he probably won't be because it's really hard to get in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, whereas like in the Basketball Hall of Fame, conversely, it's actually kind of easy. But I mean, Edelman, you think about this stat just I have here, he has 118 postseason receptions, which is second to only Jerry Rice. So Jerry Rice, arguably, you know, a lot of people would call him the best receiver of all time. That's a pretty good, uh, you know, list to be in there, only behind him. So just an amazing career from Edelman, and it sucks I won't get to watch him uh, anymore, but I can go, always go back uh, when I want and, you know, watch some of those awesome highlights from, you know, the mm-hmm. some of those biggest games. Yeah, no, 100%. In I think one thing that's not talked about enough is that Julian Edelman's a Mac guy. Went to Kent State. And was a quarterback there, uh, and you know made a just this fabulous career for himself in the NFL. As much as I do not like the Patriots, Julian Edelman had one of the best catches of all time. I mean, that was an amazing, amazing catch in such a big game. Ben, final thoughts on Julian Edelman because I know you're you're kind of a Patriots fan. So, I mean, I would say I'm I'm as much a Patriots fan as I am a Lakers fan with LeBron being there. So, um, and now that Tom Brady's not on the Patriots, do I care? No. But Julian Edelman's a great player. He's an awesome player. Um, it's interesting because when I think of, obviously the Patriots were good for a really, really long time. And mm-hmm. I kind of think of it as two different eras of like their, I guess you could call it dynasty. And the first one I think of, obviously Tom Brady, um, you got, you know, Dion Branch, uh, Super Bowl MVP. You have Teddy Bruschi, you know, middle linebacker of that, of that, I guess, era of the Patriots dynasty. And then I, the second, the more recent one, I think of really three people. I think of Tom Brady, I think of Rob Gronkowski, and I think of Julian Edelman. Because Julian Edelman was kind of like... The, I mean, he was other than Tom Brady, he was one of the big, the three biggest faces of that franchise for a good almost ten years. Um, because again, he was such a good player, and him, it's just him and Tom Brady just had such a chemistry. Where, I mean, they always talked about how they were brothers, but you really felt like like they could almost be brothers. They had they were such good friends. They had so much in common. They were constantly um, working in the off season. I know I've seen stories where they used to go up to like the mountains in like Montana and just you know, spend time together and just practice uh, their routes and their throwing. So um, Julian Edelman obviously had a, a phenomenal career. And um, obviously uh, Tom Brady's a great quarterback, but he can attribute a lot of his success to, to what Julian Edelman was able to bring to, to that franchise in New England. Yeah, 100%. I mean, he was such an integral part of their success, you know, of course, along with Tom Brady. Um, so great career for him. Um, but another guy that retired, we're going to switch up sports a little bit, is LaMarcus, LaMarcus Aldridge, who also had this wonderful, wonderful career that kind of took a sad ending at the end, uh, where he found out recently he had an irregular heartbeat. Um, so, you know, he, he had to call it quits for his for his family and his personal health, which I applaud him for making that decision. Um, Trevor, I'm going to go back to you to talk a little bit about LaMarcus Aldridge. Yeah, so this one kind of came out of nowhere. Obviously, recently, LaMarcus Aldridge... Um, was on the bio market and then uh, went to the Nets. You know, one of these players along with Blake Griffin who went to Brooklyn and now he suddenly retires. It's really just, you know, kind of as you said, you know, wish the best for him and his family. It was definitely the right decision. Um, you know, but as far as LaMarcus's Aldridge's career, he had an awesome one. He was a, let's see, I think seven-time All-Star, seven-time All-Star, had a lot of successful years in Portland. Unfortunately, uh, you know, didn't really translate to a ton of postseason success for that team. Um, but, you know, he's just a really solid player. He was a good stretch big, uh, very good mid-range shooter, could hit some threes, um, and, and also like a fantastic um, rebounder as well, especially like with his career years he had late in Portland, the 2013-14 season when he averaged uh, 23 and 11, and then the following season as well, he averaged 23 and 10. 
So just, you know, a lot of really at his peak, he was a really solid player, uh, one of the best, you know, 10, 15 players in the league for a little while, and, and just an awesome career, you know, for LaMarcus Aldridge, very uh, highly respected player. So wish the best for him in the future. Of course. Ben, final thoughts on LaMarcus Aldridge before we move on. Marcus Aldridge is he's an interesting player because again when he was with Portland early in his career he was so dominant for you know a, a large stretch of those years in Portland and I remember when when he signed with the Spurs I was so upset because and I have nothing against the Spurs but I just didn't want I didn't want I liked that he was in Portland kind of this team they, the, the the Spurs have been good for a long time they have a great coach they're they're a really well ran organization I liked that he was kind of in Portland um, you know a team that's not you know one of the top five teams every year in the NBA uh, because again he just he brought such a presence both both offensively and defensively on the floor. I mean, look, I'm looking at his career stats. I mean, he averaged just under 20 points a game for his career, um, just over eight rebounds a game for his career. And it looks like, I'm looking, he made five All-Star games in a row from, what, 2013 to 2019, which for players that aren't superstars, so, you know, the non-LeBron James, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant players, five playoff or five All-Star games in a row, that's pretty impressive. That's not easy to do for somebody that's not considered a superstar um, in basketball. So clearly, I mean, the numbers show that he was a phenomenal player and he was just a good guy. People liked him on his team. Um, and he, and he was definitely, you know, a, a, a player's player, I guess I could say where he, he got along with everybody. You never really heard stories about, um, him, you know, off the court, like you do with a bunch of other players and really every sport. So he's just a good dude. Um, obviously, you know, he had a great career and he, I mean, he's what, he's like 35 now and again, it sucks that it, it ended the way it did with his irregular heartbeat, but obviously it's probably the best decision health wise for long term. Um, but he can look back, and he he should be happy about his career because he really did have a good run. Yeah, I 100% agree. Uh, 100% agree. Great career by both of those guys. Um, let's move on because we did have a big signing in the NFL, um, which is Jadavion Clowney for a $10 million one-year deal with the Cleveland Browns. Um, I've had a lot of people talk to me about this. It seems like any time the Browns do anything, i got to get an earful of it. Ben, I'm going to start with you uh, to talk a little bit about Jadavion Clowney. Yeah, so I mean – He's a big name, right? He's obviously a big name. And again, we talked about this before we started recording. I don't know his stats exactly. I have no idea. Obviously, he was great. He was the number one pick, right? Is that correct, yes. Brandon, when he came out of South Carolina? Number one pick. I remember I mean, he had a bunch of hype. Clear number one pick to the Texans. And he was he's, obviously, he was great for the Texans. But last year on the Titans, he just I don't know, he just wasn't the Jadavion Clowney that, that obviously he was with the Texans early in his career. And I get it. I mean... He's been around for what, yeah, six, seven years now, which isn't a long time. But any, I mean, any anything over a year in the NFL is is a long time because it takes such a toll on your body. So obviously, he didn't have a great year last year, but I mean, he's still a big name. And anytime a big name like that signs with a team that has to play my Bengals two times a year, I'm not going to be too happy about it. Um, so I get it. Browns fans, Browns fans are excited about this signing. They should be. I, I mean, it's I, it is a really good, uh, you know, opposite side of the defense line to Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett's an animal. We all know this. And even if Jadavion Clowney is not the Jadavion Clowney that we saw four or five years ago, I still think he's going to have a great year, especially in in uh, in the division that he's in, which is not an easy division. Um, so uh, Browns fans have a right to be happy. I, I hate when Browns fans are happy because I hate the Browns. Um, but I, I I commend the Browns for for signing Jadavion Clowney. Clearly, it's it's just funny every time the Browns sign somebody now. It just reminds me, I mean, three, four years ago, you just would have never seen something like this happen where, it, where somebody, is, a free agent, is signing with the Browns like this. And now, I mean, it's happening definitely more frequently than it did, which really does show how good the Browns, how good of a job the Browns have done 
of turning their organization around where free agents want to play with them. So I do have to commend the Browns organization for being able to become more appealing to free agents like Jadavion Clowney. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with almost everything you said there. I wanted the Ravens to sign Clowney uh, last season. I wanted them to sign him this season. Not for the money he took both times. I think they're probably overpaying a little bit. He He's definitely on the downward end, it seems like, of his career. Last season, the very few games he played, he was not great at all. Um, but I think this is a great person to have on the opposite side of uh, Miles Garrett. You just need someone to disrupt a little bit. You don't need the man to get 10 sacks. I mean, obviously, that'd be amazing, but uh, Miles Garrett would get enough sacks for, like, five defensive linemen. So I don't think it's much of an issue in terms of the sack department. If Jadavion Clowney could just cause some trouble, enough trouble where Miles Garrett can do what he needs to do, which I think will happen, this is going to be a, a scary sight, uh, especially from another person who has to play Jadavion Clowney two times a year, my Baltimore Ravens. So, uh, overall, I like the signing. I don't think they super overpaid. They definitely overpaid a little bit. It's more money than I would like to pay for Jadavion Clowney. Um, but overall, I, I actually don't hate this. I, I don't hate it at all. Trevor, any thoughts on Jadavion Clowney? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a good signing regardless. Even if he isn't, you know, peak Jadavion Clowney, it definitely yeah. helps uh, this Browns defensive front that they have. Obviously, Miles Garrett. Maybe, you know, one of the best defensive players in the league. So it definitely helps them out. Uh, the Browns, you know, as good as they were um, offensively, especially with their run game, on defense at times they really struggled, um, particularly in the secondary. So I think this could be another thing that if they could get more pressure on opposing quarterbacks, potentially with Clowney, you know, maybe help them stop the run a little bit better, that can take a little bit pressure off of that secondary as we saw, like, for instance, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, one of their weaknesses was their secondary, um, but the defensive front was able to put so much pressure, especially in that Super Bowl on the Chiefs, that it wasn't even, it didn't even really matter that uh, the Bucks secondary, you know, wasn't, you know, one of the best secondaries in the NFL. So maybe that's something that can help. Obviously, the Browns, you know, they're getting some players back from injury as well um, on their defense. So yeah, I mean, they have one, they have one of the most talented rosters in the NFL, if not the most talented. So this is definitely the year where, if you're a Browns fan, you you want the Browns to be competing, and we'll, we'll see what they can do this year. Yeah, this definitely brings them closer. I don't know if this puts them as like a Super Bowl contender necessarily, but it definitely puts them closer. Um, let's move on. We will not be doing small talk trivia for today, but we are going to bring it back soon. So we're going to go straight into Brandon Blanche, where, of course, Ben O'Brien again coming with a banger topic. Today is going to be top three favorite classic ballpark foods. There's a lot of good things to get at a baseball game. Personally, I'm not a huge baseball fan anymore. However, I love the food at baseball games. Um, and you know what? I don't normally start with these, so I'm actually going to start today. My number three is not something I have had often at baseball games, but when I played baseball, I had it a lot. Um, and I had to put it on my list as sunflower seeds. We had a certain take from one of the three members here uh, that sunflower seeds weren't that good. Sunflower seeds are phenomenal. I love sunflower seeds. I think it's a great little snack. But, I mean, you're sitting in the outfield just chilling. You know, Ben, we talked about this before the pod. You know, you're sitting in the outfield just chilling. I think this is a good little snack to have while you're chilling at a, at a baseball game. Not my first choice, but I do like them, so it gets my number three. Number two, I'm going to go with the soft pretzel. I'm not a big type of guy to dip it in cheese, but the cinnamon sugar pretzel is phenomenal. Just a, tip, a normal soft pretzel. Uh, great, great snack at a game. And number one, and here's the thing. Honestly, it's not even close. Okay, it's, it's not even sort of close. 
is a ballpark hot dog. I, I just don't think there's anything better you could get at a baseball game. When you go to a dollar dog night and you're getting them for one dollar, I mean, I'm spending ten bucks at the least. I'm, I'm, I'm just, as many hot dogs I could possibly have for a dollar, I'm going to get. So my number one, and again, it's not even close. I don't care what any other person says here. It's not even close. Hot dogs take the top spot. Trevor, I'm going to hand the mic off to you. What are your top three favorite ballpark foods? All right, so so this is my favorite here. This is not like I get hot, hot dogs are amazing. I love, I do really enjoy ballpark hot dogs, um, and I know how much they mean to the ballpark. I, they sh- they should you know theoretically, if you're just saying like what is the best, be on most people's list. However, this is my personal favorite. This is when I go to baseball games. What do I get? What am I most likely to say? Ooh, that, that's on the menu. I'm getting that. So I'm, I'm not going to put ballpark hot dogs on my top three, but they're amazing. Just got to just gotta preface it with that. Number three, I'm starting off with something that's very special to me as a kid going to baseball games, and that is Dippin' Dots. Um, you know, it was a go-to. I got it most um, baseball games that I went to, especially, you know, the cookie dough Dippin' Dots. Mm-hmm. Love those. Uh, number two, I got to go with, a food that's just great really in any environment. It doesn't matter if you're at a restaurant, at a ballpark, um, at home, you know, going to like a fast food plate. Like it doesn't matter. And that's chicken fingers. Chicken fingers are amazing. You know, it doesn't, again, like I already said, it doesn't matter where you're eating them. They're amazing. And number one, I got to go with soft pretzels and cheese. I mean, soft pretzels and cheese, to me, that's my go-to if I'm going to any kind of sporting event. You know, soft pretzels and cheese, that's the first thing I'm looking at for sure that's catching my eye. So that's got to be my number one. I gotcha. Soft pretzels is a good one, 100%. Ben, passing it on off to you, your top three best or favorite ballpark foods. Okay, so first of all, Trevor, the fact that you didn't even put a hot dog in your top three, I... I don't know how you had the audacity to do that. I mean, I'm I'm personally offended by that, and I get your list was good. I'm not not saying you're a panderer here. I'm not pandering to the crowd. I'm not saying your list is bad because it's not a bad list at all. But the the disrespect that you just gave to ballpark hot dogs is pretty saddening. Unbelievable to me. But anyway, I'll I'll continue with my list. My number three is nachos. You just can't go wrong with nachos. You get a little jalapenos on it, a little spice to the nachos with the cheese. Um, It's just it's just a solid thing to have really anywhere. Um, my number two is is an item that I will probably never eat anywhere except for a ballpark, and that's peanuts. I feel like you gotta eat some peanuts at a ballpark. You know, you take the shells, you throw them on the ground, you eat the peanut. It's just I don't know for whatever reason at a ballpark, peanuts just taste better. And really anywhere else, I'm probably not gonna be in the mood to eat peanuts. But for whatever reason at a ballpark, it's just you gotta do it. Um, and number one, I mean, Brandon, my whole thought process here was whatever you don't say about a hot dog when you hype it up, I will say. Whatever okay, I can think of that you didn't say, I'll hype it up because I mean clearly number one has to be a ballpark hot dog. And what I'll say is, and I've I've made this comment before with other foods, but the reason that a ballpark hot dog is so good is because I genuinely believe that it is best with nothing on it, no condiments on it whatsoever. And again, that's just my opinion. Um, and I I love to put ketchup and mustard on on a hot dog, but for whatever reason, at a ballpark, I would prefer it to have no ketchup, no mustard, no relish, nothing on it. For whatever reason. It just tastes perfect the way it is, completely plain. Um, I, again, I don't know if it's the atmosphere of a ballpark, but I mean everything you said, Brandon, I completely agree with. You have to put ballpark hot dog at number one, just for whatever reason. It just tastes way better than anything else you can get there. Yeah. It's not even close. It, it, one of the members here is a little disrespectful. I'm sorry to the audience. I understand. If you, if you want to get on them, go tweet at us at the small ball. Link in the description. 
Trevor, you have any any explanation for the the take? I mean, I already explained it. You know, it's a great ballpark hot dogs are awesome. Like I said, I I would put them in my top five. I'm I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're awesome. Pretty sure they taste oh, great. But here's the thing: there's just there's just better things. And also, Ben, I gotta say, I'm I'm a little I'm a little concerned right now. Do you at least have water next to you while you have a plain hot dog? At least say yes to that. And, of course, and yeah. No, I would. I would have to have water next to me, of course. <laughs> He's um, just saying you don't alter the hot dog, which I actually like that take a lot. I, I, I'm cool with with nothing on the hot dog. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to our main topic. We got the NBA rolling through. Uh, we're what, like 55, 60 games in? About. Give we're getting closer. I mean, postseason starts yeah. in in the middle of May, so we're about yeah. So we're, we're getting closer. A month or so out. Um, from postseason basketball. Um, but let's start off with some of the games of the week. Trevor, our basketball analyst, expert, uh, why don't you break down a couple of the games that you watched that you liked that would be considered your games of the week? Yeah, so first I want to start off with the game I actually watched last night. That was the Warriors-Celtics. It was a fantastic game. Uh, Steph Curry had 47 points. Jason Tatum had 44 points. In the end, uh, the Celtics do end up getting the win. You had a nice shot from Kemba Walker. Um, or as some call him cardiac Kemba, you know, just an awesome shot. It seems like after he's had a lot of health, you know, concerns um, in the past couple of years that he's starting to get his feet under him. You know, Kemba Walker's starting to get things going. Obviously, Tatum's at the top of his game. You know, Jalen Brown, who was out last night, uh, really just resting, I think. Um, but he's been playing well uh, recently as well, or actually the whole season he has been. So the Celtics, they had a little bit of a bad start, but it seems like they're starting to get it get get it together here. They are eight and two in their last ten. They're now the four seed in the East. So, you know, with that bad start, they're still the four seed, which is pretty much, you know, where I think I thought they were would be at least. Um, you know, near the end of the season. So the Celtics, they're starting to get it together. Obviously, you could still argue, uh, you know, they have maybe a missing piece. They don't have like a, a really solid five man. Um, obviously, they they traded, they got rid of Tice. So now they're going to more like Robert Williams. He's getting some more time. You have Grant Williams who still gets some time occasionally. And also, uh, they just got, uh, they just picked up Jabari Parker, um, who, who was available, which is very interesting. Obviously, Jabari Parker, um, a highly... Uh, regarded recruit back in, I think, 2014, who hasn't had uh, the career that we all thought he would. But now another piece that could at least be interesting, you know, someone who potentially could could be um, in certain uh, minutes a good matchup uh, for other teams. So that's interesting. I think the Celtics have been playing pretty well, like I said. And on the Warriors side, I mean, we got to get Steph Curry some help. That's just really, really what it comes down to. I mean, in the last, I think, eight or nine games, he's been averaging about 40 points a game, which is insane um, over that stretch. I mean, I was listening to a podcast where they were talking about Steph Curry, and they were saying, like, you know, Steph Curry might average 40 points in the month of April, which he really might. I think he's at 40 right now, so... You know, it, that's just insane. However, the Warriors still are struggling to secure a playoff spot right now. They would be the nine seed, which would get them into a playoff, uh, the play-in, but then they would have to win two games, obviously. So tough situation there. Uh, another game I wanted to go to was the Net 76ers, which is obviously, you know, with these are the two top teams in the East. So it was a big game, even though the Nets were a little shorthanded. Um, the 76ers did win this one. Pretty close game, but Embiid, you know, I don't know if this is his third, fourth, fifth game back, whatever it may be, but he was awesome in this game. It seems like he's 
uh, back to you know uh, full full strength here. It seems like he's fully healthy. That's certainly good for the 76ers. They're still playing pretty well. They are number one in the East, you know. But again, the Nets they were without KD, they were without Harden, and they still almost won. Kyrie went nuts um, in this game, but at the end of the day. Um, you know, we, we, we didn't get to see both teams at full strength play yet, so it's still kind of like an unknown. I still think the Nets are better, but I really just want to see both teams play at full strength. Um, but I, I wanted to throw it over to Ben. I wanted to get some of your thoughts. You know, as we ramp up to the NBA postseason, obviously, you know, there's certain teams that have been, you know, kind of on the uptick. Some teams that have been a little disappointing. Do you have, like, something that really stood out like if you look at the nba standings is there something that really like stands out to you you think yes trevor i love that you asked me this question because as i'm looking at these standings and, and from what i've um you know i don't watch i don't watch the nba a lot but from what i've seen the last couple of weeks there is one team that i want to at least mention and give a shout out to and that's the memphis grizzlies i mean it seems like they're getting hot at the right time they're seven and three in their last 10 games obviously they have a superstar in John Morant, and I saw a tweet or something from John Morant not that long ago that he said, like, you know, don't let us get hot, don't let us get hot, like, we're, we're a team to look out for, and it seems like they are a team to look out for. Again, they're getting hot at the right time. Playoffs are, you know, three, four weeks away, and like I said, seven and three in their last um, ten games, there was, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm just looking at their, or at their stats here, but on the road, they're 16 and 10. So they're six games above 500 on the road. So they're winning these tough games on the road. Obviously, it's easy to win at home, but they're winning these tough games on the road. So they've proven to me that they're a team that can win tough games, and that's what you need to 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 uh, succeed in the playoffs, right? You have to be able to win a road game in the playoffs, and it seems like they're capable of that. So out of all these teams, especially in a conference like the Western Conference, when you have all these teams up top, like we even talked about before the podcast, the Suns and how great they've been with Chris Paul. So the fact that the Memphis Grizzlies are sitting right now at 29 and 26, um, right now they're in eighth in the Western Conference. They're a team to definitely watch out for these last couple weeks of the regular season because if they get hot at the right time, they could definitely make some noise coming down the stretch here. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. The Memphis Grizzlies—they're one of these teams that kind of you know flies under the radar. Obviously, we have you know so many teams that we that we look at, um, and the Memphis Grizzlies—they they don't always get talked about, right? They're a small market, but you know the thing that really stands out to me about the Grizzlies is how well Jonas Valanciunas has been playing. I mean, to me, he's got to be one of the most underrated players in the NBA. I mean, he's averaging 17 points, about 13 rebounds. He's got a PER of 24. He's just been awesome for them. And uh, you, you don't really hear about Jonas Valanciunas, so obviously I had to, I had to mention him. Obviously, John Morant, you know, having a, a really solid year there as well, about 19 points, 7 assists. So the Grizzlies, they're an interesting team, and they, you know— j when you keep thinking that the Grizzlies might fall a little bit and some of these teams, like the Warriors, might pass them, it hasn't. It still hasn't happened yet. So uh, definitely a shout to the Grizzlies. There's also a few players I wanted to mention. Obviously, I kind of already talked about Steph Curry a little bit and um, how well he's been playing. And it's just like... I mean, obviously, we, we all love watching Steph Curry. It's so fun. Um, I know, like, like Brandon, you're a Cavs fan. We, we live in the Cleveland area, so, like... It's part of it is ingrained in us to like root against Steph Curry, but now that you know circumstances are different, you know Cleveland's kind of not not as good anymore. The Warriors aren't as good, and it, we're kind of removed from this like finals matchup thing. It really just is nice to kind of appreciate what Steph Curry does. Obviously, we know how transformative uh, he's been in the game. So it's just I, I just want to shout that out. You know, he's he's such a great. Uh, team player obviously he's, he's just a winner so I wanted to point that out 
Also wanted to point out uh, one of Brandon's favorite NBA players, Russell Westbrook, and you know, get some of your thoughts on him. He has had at least a little bit of a resurgence. I, I said resurgence in the notes because he's been playing better recently. Yes, he hasn't been all that efficient, but it seems like you know this kind of knee injury that he had earlier in the year, you know, kind of coming off of last year too, has healed, and it really seems like he's starting to get things going. You know, Russell Westbrook. One of the great things about him is that he's always the player that can really energize his team. And we see that with like his amazing dunks, um, you know, how he gets, you know, just like hyped up when he makes a great play or when, it, when his teammate makes a great play. He's a very great teammate. So it's just good to see. And the Wizards, yes, they're not all that good. Um, they are 22 and 33, but they got a shot here at the 10 seed, which would be interesting just to see them in the play-in tournament. I hope that we get to see it and see what they can do. But Brandon, did you have uh, any thoughts on Westbrook or even if you wanted to talk about uh, Steph Curry as well, you know? Here's, here's my thing about Westbrook. Every team this guy goes to just doesn't seem to be all that good. He's definitely had some playoff teams without KD, but the only teams that have been really great are with KD. Even with Harden, I didn't think their, their teams were that fabulous. And I mean, you just look at his progression. He scores so much, but he's a selfish player at the end of the day. I mean, this Washington team is terrible. I, where are they in the standings? They're, they're, they're like they're 11th. 11th in the standings, 23 and 33. Well, actually tied for 10th, but yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's just not... I don't know why, exactly, because Russ is a great individual player, but as a team player, I mean, it just seems like they can never win. I mean, that's kind of what it comes down to. And for that reason, I think he's grossly overrated. But you look at the opposite side of that, and that's Chris Paul. Chris Paul's someone who seems to be super underrated. All of his teams are super successful, and I, I think we can't talk about this enough. The Suns are in second place in, in, the, in the league in terms of record. Only a game and a half down from the Jazz, who who are first in the league by record. Uh, Suns are eight and two in the last game. They're averaging uh, 114 points per game, allowing 108, uh, six and a half point differential. I mean, it's pretty solid. That's that's a top end team right there. You know, top three or four team at least in the regular season. I'm interested to see how this team plays in the playoffs with Chris Paul's leadership. So a guy like Russell Westbrook, even though he's having this little resurgence recently, just not someone I'd want on my team because you guys just aren't gonna win. Yeah, I, I disagree with some of that. I, I I don't think he's selfish at all, really. I think it's just um, obviously the bad shooting is is the biggest uh, factor there. You know, the, he's he's not a great shooter, and um, I, I think that can definitely hurts that could definitely hurt teams at times. Um, but we move on. We obviously did have some injuries again that we have to talk about. Jamal Murray uh, got injured. He's going to be out for the season. Zach Levine uh, is now in the health and safety protocols. Not a exactly sure if it's an injury or, or what is going on um, but hopefully yeah. he can be back soon obviously you know Chicago they went out made the move to get Vucevic because they're trying to you know make the playoffs they're trying to make a push here they're not they're definitely not tanking they're doing the opposite of that they're trying to win um, now and this just really is a huge hit uh, for for Bulls fans here that I, I just feel for them and hopefully Levine can return soon um, and they can get into that play-in tournament where they can have a shot here and with with Murray I mean you know the Nuggets they were starting to get better they were making a little push I think right now they are in the four seed fourth so fourth. making a little push but I mean you know you you need Jamal Murray when it comes to playoff time yeah. obviously we know what what he did uh in in the bubble playoffs last year 
um, down in Orlando. He was fantastic, um, just you know, scoring, shooting, doing a little bit of everything. And that two-man game with him and Jokic with the pick and roll is just so effective. It's just really unstoppable. And now without that, uh, you're going to need guys like Michael Porter Jr., uh, Monte Morris to step up, and it's just going to make it tough on them now. Jokic is going to have to do a lot. So it definitely hurts uh, the Nuggets' hopes of getting to the finals uh, finally. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be tough on them. Um, but, uh, Brandon, did you have any other thoughts? You know, just kind of, again, I guess the same question I asked Ben, things that stand out, things are disappointing, or I, I guess, like, what are you looking forward to even? I, I'm looking forward to the Phoenix Suns, genuinely. I, I'm excited to see how they play in the playoffs. I mean, how long has it been since the Suns team has been good? It's probably since Nash was there, right? Yeah, like, uh, I think 2010. So, yeah, about 11 yeah, years. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been 10, 11 years since then. So, I, I'm excited to see Chris Paul in the playoffs with, uh, with uh, Booker and DeAndre Ayton. It, it's going to be fun to watch them. And, of course, I want LeBron to be healthy. You know, I want to see mm-hmm. the Lakers in the playoffs with LeBron. Right now, they're in the five seed, seven games back. Uh, I don't know if they'll be able to catch up and get that first place seed or second place, but you know we'll have to see. Uh, I'm excited to see the rest of the season for sure. Yeah, me as well. And I think as far as the seeding, it definitely seems like some of these teams, uh, especially the Lakers, don't really care about seeding. You know, it's just nah. as long as they get a top six to avoid that play-in tournament, I think they're good. I mean, maybe they have a couple tougher matchups, but. If you're LeBron, LeBron Anthony Davis, you don't care about that. You just care about being fully healthy, going in the playoffs, and you feel like, uh, I'm sure they just feel like they can beat anyone, and it won't matter. So it'll be interesting to see once uh, they're back at full strength. 100%. Any, anything else you'd like to add, Trevor, before we wrap up today? Um, I think about, uh, that's about it. I mean, I didn't mention how uh, my Miami Heat, uh, unfortunately, they've been falling a little bit. They're at 500 now. It's It hasn't looked great. Um, they haven't found a good uh, mix Really, you know, they're, they're still trying to get the chemistry together. They had some injuries earlier. And Jimmy Butler's doing a lot, you know. Um, he's not getting quite enough help. Tyler Hero lately has not been all that great. So hopefully Tyler Hero can, you know, improve as we get down this home stretch. Blazers as well, uh, back with C.J. McCollum. Just falling a little bit. Not not exactly what I would have hoped to see from the Trailblazers. But that's about it. It's going to be interesting here in this last month as we ramp up toward the postseason. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll wrap up the pod for there today. Appreciate all the support from everyone listening, uh, tweeting at us. Of course, if you would like to tweet at us or follow us, it's at the small baller. The link is in the description. Go subscribe to all of our podcasts. Josh and Will will be coming out with another uh, 12th row podcast this week, which that'll be excellent. We've had a lot of big soccer news this week. Um, and yeah, thank you all so much for the support, and we'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons.